Man, that was powerful. Man, that was powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, after this, you want to run and go school, give your wife a big old hug and a kiss. I know I do. Man, that was awesome. Let me let me ask you about this question because I, I really want people to understand what was that? Look, you, you had this debt, you know, you were $50,000, you know, 50K and thousand in debt, right? There's probably more BK. What was that strain like? I mean, you, you hit on it. You, you hit on it with, you know, you, your daughter wanted to continue to ban, but you couldn't do it. You didn't have the money. You want to do this, but you can't. And you felt like you're not only a failure as a, as a dad, as a husband, as a provider, but what was that? What kind of strain was that um, on between you and your wife? Kind of, if you could just help us get into that space so we understand a little bit more of what was that, what was that strain like? It was definitely difficult. I mean, it was probably harder on me than it was on her. Um, you know, so generally she never really saw the, the bills like I did. I was always the one that paid the bills and, um, you know, managed the finances. Um, so she didn't have to worry about that. No, she, I wanted her to worry about taking care of the kids and, and, and the things are really important, you know, um, but, uh, but yeah, it was difficult. You know, anytime like she would want to, um, so again, remember, so her, her family was in South America. So, um, this was especially going back several years, you know, the, the best way to call them was through Skype. Um, mm-hmm. and so that had a cost. It wasn't, wasn't free. You know, you had to pay, <laughs> you had to pay for that. And, uh, unfortunately the, the calling her parents, they didn't have a, a landline. So you had to call the cell phone and, and that was even more expensive. So generally every time she would call home, it's like 20 bucks to call. And so, and of course she wants to call often, not just, you know, once a month or something. So, you know, I was like, you gotta cut back. You gotta talk to your family. That's, <laughs> you know, and, uh, so yeah. And then, you know, anytime she, you know, would go spend something on, on whatever, you know, I was like, Hey, this, this, this thing was on sale, you know, whether it be, you know, uh, you know, box cereal, whatever, I don't know, just whatever is on sale that, uh, didn't say need, but it's on sale. So let's, let's, let's get it. Cause something we could use anyway. And so, I'm like, we're just because on sale, we need to buy it. <laughs> you know, you gotta be frugal. Um, you know, that that's so so you know, it was more on me just again, you know, every time I'd open up the the, the bills, okay, we gotta, you know, see it go up each month. And I started I started tracking it through Excel. So at some point I didn't, I didn't have no idea how much debt we actually had. You know, I just see the bills and pay what we could. So I was like, I need to find out what this is. So that's why I started putting one in an Excel sheet, and that's why I was like, oh man, <laughs> that's more than I thought, you know, and uh so from there, I started. You know, we even at, at one point we took the uh, uh, the Dave Ramsey you know courses about the you know getting out of debt, and, and we tried to do that method. Of course, at that point when we actually did that class, it was kind of prior to to all the really really bad debt. So I was just like, okay, I don't understand this stuff. It's good to know, you know, but uh, it wasn't really um, beneficial really at that time. Uh, but but uh, you know later on, uh, you know, I tried to implement some of those things like the, the debt snowball and things like that, which again never could really work. Because we were continually adding new debt all the time, anyway. <laughs> so, so, so how do you get to pay it down if it's ever stopping? You can't stop the bleeding, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, yeah, it was just, you know, for me, I think harder. Uh, well, uh, her too. I mean, I, of course, I'd, I'd tell her about it, and, and she, you know, got to point. She, anytime she needed to spend money on something, she felt like she had to ask for permission. You know, and I was like, well, <laughs> you know, then it makes you feel like you know you're you're, you're a slave to to me to, to what you can spend on. So I didn't, didn't like her feeling like that. And, um, so yeah, it was just, it was horrible. I didn't, did not enjoy it at all. Man. You know, guys, I, I did. I mean, if you just, if you listen to this, as you're listening to the story, as you're listening to the Don talk, I mean, you, you can just, you can just feel we've all, all of us have at one point been in that position. If you haven't, don't ever get into that position. 
yeah. right? Learn from, that's a lot why we do what I do is so we can all learn from this and understand like, man, if you're in that position, just know, follow what Don does. Just, you got to go all in. You still can't, you still have to dream. You still have to go after that dream. You still have to dream big, right? And in the moment, it seems like it's scary and you testified more on that than anybody. But, but don't give up on that. Don't give up on that hope and that dream because there's if there's a will, there's a way, right? And that your will to, to provide, but your will to just say enough is enough. Like I'm done with all this BS. Like I know there's more and I'm going to find it. And you did it. You invested in yourself. You bought books. You invested in your wife. You put her through real estate school. And then you invested in your family, both short and now long-term, which is unbelievable. Man, I, we could stop right now. We could stop right now. Uh, go run through a window and scream as loud as we could. Like we could stop right now. That was freaking awesome, Don. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Let's get into, I need to ask you this because we're running. I know I want to respect your time. You're super busy. I pulled this from your LinkedIn page because I thought this quote was amazing. It says, I also have a passion for real estate investing, both residential and commercial. I've done some property management as well. Currently own three plex, three, four plexes, one in Idaho and I manage and uh, that I manage and two in Arkansas. What is it about the real estate buzz that you love? What is it about real estate that has, has propelled you to be where you are today? Yeah. Well, the, the, the number one thing for me was, was the, the passive income, you know, the additional income to, to help provide additional income stream without necessarily working in another job. So, um, you know, going back when we bought that first property, um, it initially was only, wasn't necessarily cash on the lot, but it was like initially like $500 a month or something, um, which of course I tried to not spend. I was like, okay, that, that money's just going to sit in the account and build up on itself so I can redeploy that later on and use that to buy another property. Um, so, you know, somewhere after maybe uh, six months or so, um, we had another difficult month, I guess, or, or two or more, I don't know, where, where um you know, we were, we were short on funds, you know, still again. So again, we didn't just buy this property the next day we're out of debt, you know, we didn't quite have like that. So, um, um, you know, I, I was like, you know, as much as I did not want to touch that money, I was like a few months, I was like, okay, we need to pull some additional cash to not grow our debt even more, you know? So, um, so there was a few times where I said, okay, let's, let's use some of that funds for, for this, you know? So, so I felt the appreciative that that extra income was there at moments of, of need to help uh, stop, you know, basically stop that bleeding. Um, but again, I tried to not touch it at all. And, and that's, that's I think a mistake some people make when they get into to real estate investing, like, hey, I can have this money now to go buy a car or whatever, use that to pay it. And like, yeah, those those come later. You don't do that right away. You know, you want to first build up that portfolio to, to get to that point um, where you can live off that funds. But but uh, for your first one, two or three or so, don't, don't even touch the money. Just let it, you know, build up and use it again. Um, so so that was the main thing for me. Is I, you know, I know that, most of the world's millionaires, you know, or even billionaires, you know, <laughs> they they have real estate. That's a big part of their portfolio, uh, and there's there's a reason for that, you know. And it's not even necessarily just because of the income, because some of those the high net worth people don't even care about the income. It's more about the wealth building, because mm-hmm. um, you know, they're, outside of rare occasions like the 2008 crash and some other you know corrections that happen over time, that's just natural. But the, the long run of things, the values will always go up. You know, so so over time, that that you're just essentially adding to your net worth and building your wealth. Um, so these, these super ultra net worth guys, they know that, um, you know, they, they can afford to, to lose money in the short run, but in the long term they're going to be selling those for multiple times what they initially paid for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I was like, that's, you know, that's, that's part of, for me, what, what 
led to that. I was like, okay, this, again, going back, I saw this is the only answer for my problem. Um, you know, I wanted to reach financial independence, but most of the, the people that talk about financial independence, the way they do that is by saving up, you know, build up your, your IRA account until you have a couple million dollars and you can live off the, the dividends from that. Um, take out your 4% per year and you'll, you'll never run out. I'm like, that's great, but I'll never be able to save up $2 million. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so how is that going to be possible for me? I don't, I don't make high income to, to get to that point. You know, so, um, so I saw that real estate is what I, I still tell people. It's like the shortcut to financial independence. Um, you can still get to it because the whole point of having that $2 million savings account basically is to have that income to live off of, right? You can take that 4% per year. So if all I need is that much income, then I can do that another way. Instead of, you don't need that 2 million to, to get income, find something else to provide that income. So if I can spend, you know, say total of less than 100,000 or something to buy a few properties that will provide that same amount of income, then I can do that much faster than trying to save up $2 million. Um, you know, and then there's things to that even in the long run, eventually you'll get that money back anyway. <laughs> you know, through, so something actually I just did myself on, on that first property I bought, you know, four and a half years ago, we just we did a refinance on it. So we actually pulled out, way more money than I put down on it to begin with. That's wow. Shortcut to financial independence. People that that's what, that's what Don has just laid out. He just tip of the, not even the tip of the iceberg, but man, he, I mean, you're right. Look, when we were all growing up, when I was, when I was, you know, in 21, you know, it was all about 401k, save, save, yeah. save, dump money, dump money, dump, money, which is smart. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, people do that now. I mean, my parents, my parents do that. They're getting ready to retire um, as teachers. You know, my dad already retired once as a principal and then they pulled him back in and said, Hey, we need you. <laughs> so he's back in. Right. But when he retires, I'll have a double retirement, you know, but nowadays people, a lot of us, a lot of entrepreneurs or people that are just like, I'm in a position, a lot of us got hit with that 2008. Right. And, and these younger kids, Man, they hold up. They hold up a phone, and that's they, they become financially, you know, wealthy because of a, a video, a blow up, or whatnot. But just think, it doesn't need to be necessarily real estate. Don's t- telling you there are multiple ways that you can get passive income without thinking, "I'm too old. I'm in my 30s, my 40s, my 50s, you might even my 60s. Like I don't have the ability." And he's he's telling you there are ways to do it. Just just find out and find people who will help you. Man. Yeah. Don, that, that, that is fan. That is fantastic. Fan, fantastic. Uh, let me ask you this last question here. When you're, when you're looking at, you know, when you're looking at looking into uh, investment properties or properties that you invest residential commercial, I mean, what is it that, how do you differentiate between when you look at it, you know, give, you don't need to tell us the whole secret sauce, but yeah. what? How do you kind of make your decision on this is where I'd like, this is what I don't like? I mean, Idaho and Arkansas. I mean, that's kind of a you know, that's you're talking about states away. So yeah. help us help us understand kind of what is it that you look at um, and as a potential winner for you. Sure. So now, now keep in mind like in today's standards, it's much more difficult. You know that the price has gone up so much. Um, and the rents have not necessarily always kept up with with that price increase, but uh, you know, there's over time there's still benefits there. But um, yeah, for me, it still even now I'm 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 not at that super ultra wealthy phase yet where I don't care about the income. I still care number one about the income. So it's gotta it's gotta make money day one. Um, you know, if it doesn't, then then I'll, I'll pass. Even if it could potentially potentially make money in year two or three, I'm like I'm I'm not willing to sit on it that long and, and make those payments in the meantime in case you know something goes wrong because there's there's gonna be expenses. Things will break and, and need to be repaired. Um, and so if it's not cash flowing enough day one to, to cover those expenses, then, then I don't want to even look at it. Um, 
so so that's you know and, and then this goes back to you know what i talked about big, and bigger pockets you know that's why i love those calculators and that's really helped me out at the very beginning especially and i still use them today you know it's easy to punch some numbers real quick and get a get a, a something that tells you if it's good or bad you know so um so i use that as my basis to, to say okay if it's gonna at least make if, for me I, i'm i'm picky on this you know so i've got to have at least at this point now i'd say at least a 10 percent cash on cash re- return on it um back when i was starting you know four and a half years ago or so it was it was higher than that as i guess i'm looking for like the 20 percent above you know um mm-hmm. and uh you know it's like that that first property again that it, that's it was started out about that around the 20 percent, and then uh, over time as the rents went up it, it got close to 50 or 60 percent you know cash on cash return and um so yeah it's definitely the the, the cash flow loan is paid for that down payment multiple times over at this point um but uh, and now now like i said I'm, i just did a refinance on it so i'm actually now getting infinite returns which means I have no more actually money invested in it. It's now paying me with me not having anything in it. And, and I've said I pulled out more that I can reinvest into other properties. So um, it's it's amazing this tool for sure. I mean, real estate is definitely it's 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 a tool. It's um, you use it wisely, and it's going to cover your needs. And, and you know, the long run, it's going to take care of your family. And that's that was my goal when I started. I bought that first property. I, I planned to continue buying fourplexes because for me that's that's what I understood. That's what I could do to try to scale up as quick as possible with number of doors. Uh, I didn't want to do single family homes for me. Single family homes were too risky. If, if uh, somebody was moved out or it's, it's vacant, then I got to cover that mortgage. You know, I didn't want to have to worry about that. So with the fourplex, I'm like, it's not likely that all four units can be vacant at once. So as long as, you know, even two of them are there, that's going to be enough to cover at least most, if not all of the, the mortgage. Um, and then if they're all filled, then great, I'm, I'm, I'm making money. Um, so, so I continued down that path. And, and then, so, so those ones in Arkansas kind of came up by, by accident in a way. Um, I was actually looking at the, uh, trying to get into more larger commercial things. So uh, I looked at the, uh, there's a like 26 unit like apartment building there, um, called up the local bank and, and, a, and a broker in that area and um, ended up not getting that. And that's kind of how I came to these fourplexes. She's like, hey, I've got these two pocket listing fourplexes. And so, so I looked at those and, and the numbers looked great. So I'm like, yeah, that, that's, let's do it. And, and again, found a local bank there that did the 15% down payment on a, on a commercial loan. So again, I tried to find the, the, the low down payment options. You know, because because I still don't have a whole lot of money saved up for even those even, but uh, um, I was like, if I can do a low down payment, it makes it much easier to, to make that happen. Um, and uh, so so the plan again, like I said, was continue to go in, in in fourplexes, staying in residential. Really, is what that is. It's still residential, but uh, I guess situations came up. You know, so I, I had had these opportunities come up to get into some commercial things. Um, some some uh, this this the same broker brought me this opportunity to, to flip some land. Um, there was these this land that was for sale really cheap. Well, well, we'll say really cheap compared to what's worth. I mean, still a lot of money. It was like five, you know, almost six hundred thousand dollars. And uh, she's like, "But it's it's worth at least double, if not more, than that in the very near future because of what's happening in this area." I'm like, "All right, well, let's let's get under contract. And I'll see what I can do." You know, so I so I we got under contract. Uh, it's like if I if I can't close on it, no big deal. You know, I'm not out anything. But I started making some some calls and, and emails to people I built up these connections with on, on bigger pockets. Found some people willing to put the the money in it because they liked it as well. They they saw that they saw the value there. So they brought all the money and we, we closed on it. I, I put zero dollars in this property. And, you know, when, when we eventually sell it here in a bit, um, you know, I'll be making you know a decent six figure money return on that for something I've got zero dollars in. <laughs> so, so again, there, there are ways to get into real estate without any money. You know, as long as you've got the, the, the resources, the, the time or the knowledge to, to find deals, there's people that were willing to put their money into those deals. Um, and that kind of led to a, a one, another one down the road that, you know, I asked the agent, like, is there, is there more of these lots available? You know? Um, and so we, we, uh, there's another one down the road, um, smaller one, but, uh, this one I was like, I would like to build something on it, you know? So, so, um, kind of same thing. I got under contract, <laughs> found a partner, 
uh, you know, brought some money. This time I, I did put some money in this one, but uh, he put more of it. Um, and and I was look at the numbers like, hey, I, maybe I could build some townhomes, but just because it's a really very nice area, these really nice towns would be great. Uh, but he's, he's they actually in this case the agent suggested to me he's like, there's a need there for for businesses, you know. So if, if uh, there's people that want to come to this area, but but there's nothing, nobody's building, everybody's flipping these, these lots. I was like, well, let's look into that. And so I, so I did some calculations on estimates of what it would cost to build and what the cost of it would, or the income would come from the rents on it. And I was like, you know, that actually makes more sense. The, the, the cost to build it was actually less and uh, the income would have been about the same if you need to live a little bit better, but, but you don't have to worry about tenants so much because you're gonna have businesses that are renting these spaces for, for long-term leases and they, you know, they're gonna take care of them. <laughs> Not like, you know, yep. no risk of them destroying the walls and stuff. So I was like, that, that, that makes sense. Let's do that. So we got involved in that. And in the, of course, me and my partner had never done any kind of development for So it was a brand new thing for us. But, you know, getting over that fear, I was like, let's take it on. We'll figure it out. You know, so so we we got in the process of that and, and went through that process with architects and, and everything. So we're, we're in process of that one now. And then that is what kind of led me back to what other things I'm doing now. So um, uh, I got involved with some another team here in Idaho Falls that does development of uh, large, large properties. Um, they did several townhome buildings around here that, that actually years ago they asked me to invest in because they'd contacted me through bigger pockets. And at that point, they they weren't offering a good enough return because I, I was finding these deals that are going to get like thirty percent return. Like, yeah, I'm not going to take anything less than that. You know, so so I turned them down at that point. They came back to me in early 2021, telling me about another deal they're doing that that is like if I'm willing to invest in this one was was offering much higher returns, about thirty percent. I'm like, okay, yeah. And again, early 21, I was not finding any deals that really were, were making sense anymore. So. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's maybe do that. Um, but then I told them, I was like, you know, I, I've been, so this point too, I started myself getting more active on social media. I was really never, ever active before this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd never had a Facebook account or Instagram and that stuff. I only had my bigger pockets account and I had a LinkedIn account, which I never used. So I got into to, to LinkedIn and uh, started meeting more people and going to different networking events. And, uh, you know, I, I like to, I like to point this out as well. Cause I, I, like I said, I was always more of an introvert. You know, I didn't like, you know, talking to people <laughs> it was difficult. And so, uh, so I kind of forced myself. It's like, again, if I, kind of like that thing is like, if I want to get to that next level, I've got, I've got to get out there. People need to know who I am and I need to meet people. Um, and so I forced myself to do all these events. Um, even that the first one I went to the first networking event that, you know, you do like the zoom call things, I actually mm-hmm. clicked off it. Cause I was like, no, <laughs> I didn't, I was not comfortable yet. Even in that point, you know, I was like, I don't, I don't want to talk to people. <laughs> so it was hard. Yeah. But I was like, okay, so I, I forced myself the next time to do it again. And so, so I got on and I went to these events and started meeting people. So, so I kid these guys that are doing this development. I was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm now networking with people that, that invest in multifamily. They're, they do their own syndication deals and whatnot. And so I was like, I could probably help you guys to, to bring in some, some investors, you know, if you're willing to maybe let me work with you. And so, so they actually agreed and let me become, you know, part of their team with a, a small percentage of ownership, but enough that it just get my foot in the door. Right. And so, um, so I was able to, to help help uh, you know bring some 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 people to invest in that deal, and um, this was for a large 800 unit development here in Idaho Falls, um, and so so uh, that was my first experience doing that, and and I liked it, <laughs> you know, and so I was like, yeah, I need to get more commercial stuff. I'm kind of like I'm get that phase. I'm like, hey, okay, I'm, I'm kind of past the residential. Now. I want to get more commercial because it's there's more money, and uh, typically you're, you're you're not dealing with so much one you know one on one with tenants and things. So. Um, and so with that, then later on, again, I started looking for, I'm still looking for properties, looking for, for actually now that's the point I was, I was looking for bigger, like apartment buildings I could take to these other people to do these syndications and, um, or even find some partners to start doing their own. Um, even I had a guy that had, had some money again, looking to do a JV deal with me. If I could find a great deal, like a, maybe a 20 or 30 unit property, he would put the money in. 
Um, I was like, yeah, let's, let's find something. I was out there you know, every day trying to find new deals and not finding anything. I think for me, that, that makes sense. Nothing that had enough of higher, high enough return that I was willing to risk somebody else's money into it. Yeah. And so uh, in that one day, good. I, this whole time, I was still listening to podcasts every day. I still do even now. I listen to podcasts a lot. But um, there was about last, last summer, somebody had mentioned on a podcast talking about RV campgrounds as an investment option. And something I never even thought about before. But here where I'm at in Eastern Idaho, we're like an hour and a half from Yellowstone. Everybody here is camps. They have campers, RVs, and everybody uses it. So I'm like, hey, that could be something there, you know? So I started looking more into it, went to different webinars and, and uh, meetups for people in that space and um, started networking and, and end up connecting with a, a guy um, that, uh, you know, that is doing that. You know, they, they were, they're buying campgrounds and, um, you know, I was, my, my perspective, I was just hoping that, yeah, somebody's willing to buy some land out here and, and build it. My wife could represent as the agent works out well for us and, you know, get my work my way into their, to their team somehow as a boost in the ground or something. But, mm-hmm. um, but instead, you know, I, I talked into this guy, Adam Mendy, one of the, one of the founding partners of Happy Camper Capital, um, you know, everything seemed just to align and, and, and maybe it was just perfect timing or whatever it had to be. Um, you know, he actually invited me to join their team. And uh, I was like, hmm, interesting. You know, <laughs> I wasn't really quite ready or expecting that. And, and uh, uh, you know, but I was like, uh, again, I went back and looked at their, looked at the numbers, the, what they were getting for returns. And, and um, being that there's not a lot of competition, they're not competing against 20 other offers to get these deals. I'm like, yeah, this doesn't make sense. You know, and again, talk to my neighbors. I, I talked to my neighbors in the past about possibly investing in, in, in multifamily. And it's it's not something that any of them understand. It's so it's, they don't have the mindset for it. They're like, no, nah, it's too risky. I don't, you know, it, it's not, I'm not, not going to put my money in that. Yeah. They're more the traditional IRA type stuff, but, but uh, you know, I, I talked to them about campgrounds. Like, hey, what do you think about investing in campgrounds? You know, and they're like, Hey, that, that sounds interesting. You know, that, that could be cool. Cause you know, again, that's something they understand. They use them. They're, they're going right. There. And so it's like, it's, it's almost, I, 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 I compare it to like, if you, if you like, for example, you know, Apple phones and, and whatnot, it's like, why not buy Apple stock? You know, you're, you're invested in what you're used. And so, so that kind of opened my eyes. Okay. There's, there's, there's something here, you know, p- people actually can relate to people that, uh, you know, they're not your ordinary investors and even investors themselves, but even outside of investors, people can relate. Mm-hmm. So, so I got involved with them at the end of last year uh, in, in November of 21. And uh, we've been with them since. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's incredible that we're getting much, much better returns than, than what I'm seeing in, in multifamily and other, you know, other real estate. Um, and so for me, again, I'm, I'm still not at the point where I have let's say, a, a ton of cash available to invest, but I'm like, I want to get the biggest bang for my buck. So, if I can do that right now, just investing in, in campgrounds through our through this company that I'm working with, it's like, yeah, that's where I'm going to put my money because I'm getting, in some cases, triple the returns I could get investing in another multifamily deal. Um, so that's kind of where I got to this point. And, and again, going back to the to the the net worth again, I'm, I'm not. So so <laughs> when I tell people, yeah, I'm, I'm a millionaire. Uh, it's not the traditional thing you think you got a million dollars in the bank. I'm like, no, that's not what it means. <laughs> right. you know, uh, my net worth is a million dollars. So yeah, I've, from the properties I have and, and the cash I have available and just. As again, over time, these these properties appreciate in value. Uh, so that that net worth of the the you know the the value minus what I owe in the debt, right, is is over a million dollars. So so I have a so if I were to sell off everything, then yeah, I'd have a million dollars in the bank. But I don't want to do that. <laughs> I was going to have these things keep going and keep growing and bring in more income. Um, you know, and, and uh, so my goal is, I think by the end of this year, um, I expect to have my my the what I would consider my financial independence number to go to comfortably say, okay, yeah, we, we're now at a point where we can just live off the income that these, that these produce from, from the from passive income from the, from the properties and from the other things we're invested in with the development and the campgrounds and everything. So, um, so yeah, so, it's, you know, journey of about five years, you know, you call it the, it's definitely not a, not a rich, quick, get rich, quick scheme, right? It's get rich slowly. But, uh, but if you're willing to put in the work and, and the, the time and the effort to, to do it, 
It is possible. It's not, nothing I did that nobody else can't do. Stop it. Stop it now. Listen, guys, just, just think about this for a second. Six years ago, staring down possibility of bankruptcy, fill over 50K in, in, in debt, right? <clears throat> this feeling of hopelessness, this feeling of I'm not providing, this feeling of I'm just not, the calling that I have right now, this sucks. Like there has to be something better. There has to be something better in life than just getting up nine to five and, and not making nearly enough, stressing about the bills, uh, this, this, this clash of you know, bills and family, and we can't spend this. And look, I know what that feeling is like. When you go to look to go buy something, you're like, I can't buy that. Because if I buy that, then I know I can't pay for this bill. Like, I know that feeling. You put in the work six years ago, now five years. And then at the end of this year, you're projected to be in a position like we don't need to work if we don't need to, because we, we have, we have that. And I think that is so important for people to understand. It doesn't need to be in real estate. You found a passion that you wanted. You found a passion and love that you that it speaks to you. The numbers, right? The, the it, not so much going after the not looking at the dollar, but what I heard is just that 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 competition to win, going after this big project. Whoa, let's get it bigger. Oh, can we go bigger? Can we go bigger? In the sense of it's fun now. It's it's fun enjoying a fine properties and you didn't burn bridges. That's the other thing we need to talk. It's a very important is not burning bridges, keeping relationships, genuine relationships is how you've been able to pull the people in, man. Talk about a, a five-year fantastic run uh, great job. I mean, Don, unbelievable. I knew this interview was going to be good. Those of you that are watching this on YouTube, if you're not watching that too, you need to, I mean, this way, how he's speaking. I mean, you just, it's unbelievable. Not to say that Spotify and, you know, Apple's not right, but I'm just saying that some interviews you just have to watch and the passion you have to speak with. Fantastic, Don. Holy crap. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it so much. Before I let you go, let everybody know how, if they want to learn and how they've got, hey, look, I've got a thousand bucks, 2000. How do I invest, you know? How can they reach out to you? Give us the way that your social media, how can they, and the best way to reach out to you if we need to. Yeah, definitely. So, so again, so not like I have tons of social media, you know, I, I only just created a Facebook account in the last like five months, <laughs> but uh, you can definitely find me on, on LinkedIn. That's where I'm most active. I'd say, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm on Facebook as well, but uh, you know, I prefer LinkedIn. Definitely. I'm also on bigger pockets. That's, that's the first, that's only my only social media is those, those three. Um, so you can reach me in those places. I also do have a, a blog. I started actually a few years ago. Um, that uh, helps educate people about personal finance and investing, uh, kind of keeping it simple, but it's called ctrfinance.com. Um, so you can definitely you know, contact me there as well. Awesome. Man, guys, this was so good. This was so good. I, I appreciate it. Before I let you go, I ask everybody on the show that comes on, give me five books you would recommend someone to read. It could be podcasts. It could be books. Um, whether they're reading it or listening, but I give me good, you know, five of your top ones. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, as of right now, I'd say the number one book I recommend to most people, especially if, if you're you wanting to learn how to control your finances better, it's called The Richest Man in Babylon. Uh, it's a short book, so a relatively quick read. You can read it in like an hour if you want, but um, lots of great, excellent um, finance tips on, on there, whether you know, personal finance, business, you know, everything. It's all really their mindset. Uh, I love that book. And there's actually you know, talking about the kids before, there's a kid's version called The Richest Kid in Babylon. You know, I read that recently with my 10-year-old son. He actually loved it a lot. So um, kind of the same type of, of, of uh, you know, education there, but at a much <laughs> simpler level for, for kids. Um, but it's very enjoyable. So definitely number one is that. Um, 
you know, as I mentioned before, that the, the millionaire real estate investor was for me my, my starting point. So I, I still think there's lots of information there that could help people understand how to, how to uh, analyze and uh, look at certain types of properties to, to decide what you want to even do. Um, and then, of course, you know, as opposed to books, the podcast, you know, of course, like I mentioned, the, the Bigger Pockets podcast, um, they have several now, but uh, the, the real estate podcast is definitely great there. They also have a rookie podcast for, for beginners. Um, and then the money podcast, the choose a five podcast was a good, uh, financial education podcast. I love as well, as well. Um, uh, see more books, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm probably gonna go over your five here, but, uh, but, uh, one I liked a lot, just my, my background again, being in finance and stuff, I actually enjoy learning about tax stuff. There's one called tax-free wealth. Um, it's not as boring as it sounds like for talking about taxes, but it's very <laughs> great uh, for people, you know, not just in real estate or investing, but it's also business and everything else involved. Anything that you're, you're paying taxes on, you need to read this book, uh, Tax-Free Wealth. Um, and then, uh, let's see, the, the book on managing rental properties is probably a, a great one too. I, I read that one as I was in process of purchasing that, that first property because I was going to manage it myself. I, I definitely wanted to manage it myself to one, save on property management, and then two, just to, to learn and understand that process better. So if I eventually at one point have somebody manage it, I'll at least know if they're doing their job or not. Um, so that book helped, helped a lot tremendously. Um, then lastly, you know, I'd say for sure is, is uh, you know, the, probably something you don't hear on these, these types of podcasts, but uh, the, the Book of Mormon. It's, it's a, you know, of course, a religious book, but it's one that for me personally, it, it, it definitely changed my life at, at a point where um, I needed a lot of guidance. And, uh, you know, my, my life could have definitely gone down a totally different path um, if it weren't for, for you know, the, the inspiration I got from, from that. Awesome. Awesome. Don, that's fantastic. I'll make sure all the links, I'll make sure all the books, everything are, are in here included. Don, I, man, I appreciate it. Guys, just so you know that the, the way that Don and I have linked up was through Rob uh, Polecki. Um, he liked, Don actually liked a, a a post that I did on LinkedIn. And then I reached out to him and he and I have been back and forth and that's how we linked up. So yeah. I knew this was going to be great. I, I was so glad to get you on. I know it's been it's been a fun, fun time to get us on. Don, thank you so much for coming on. Guys, this episode has been fantastic. Reach out to Don. I'll have the books there. I'll have everything uh, for you guys to read and be inspired. And just know that, man, never give up, right? Never, ever, right. ever give up. Even in the darkest hours, there's still light to be found. Thank you so much, guys. This has been another fantastic episode of The Art Study of You, and we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you. Thanks.